0: or even a glass of wine if it's that time. And get ready for the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. Hi, everybody, and welcome. This is episode number 60 of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. I'm Melanie Avalon, and I'm here with Jen Stevens. Hi, everybody. How are you today, Jen?
1: Well, I am fabulous. I am officially retired from elementary teaching.
0: Congratulations.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: I read in the Facebook group how this went, but how did the graduation go?
1: Well, okay. I didn't really know. I mean, I thought it was possible I could be emotional, but then I thought it was possible I could hold it together because I'm used to speaking in front of fifth grade graduation every year. So I, like, in my head knew what I was going to say, and I was going to just talk about how great this group of kids was, which is true because it was just a great, great group to go out on. So I started talking And I started like trying to say it and I was like, (laughs) and my voice was breaking up and I was like, oh, I mean like this whole room, this gym is full of parents and grandparents and the kids. I'm like, oh, I was going to be calm. And (laughs) then I like was able to get back on track. And then though, um, I recognized my first group of students. Then I had another group to recognize and they came up and then I gave them a hug and then I started crying and then. I could the second group I was or the third group I was gonna recognize. I was like, and I, I can't talk about it, what they did. <laughs> and then they they came up and I was like, now let's all clap, and then I left. <laughs> so it was very emotional. Um you can be excited about retiring and also know that you're gonna miss it a lot. And how
0: does it feel now?
1: Well, it feels weird right this minute because You know, for 28 years of teaching, we I've had summer break. So right now it just feels like summer break. You know, I left the school and it's always weird on the last day because everybody's cleaning up their rooms and some people are moving classrooms and everybody's taking stuff down and the school's a mess. And so it was like that. And um, it was time to go. And I was like, all right, bye. (laughs) And I hugged some people, but I didn't cry today. Um, But it just felt like any other summer. I almost cried when my husband posted something really sweet on Facebook um, about it, but. That was the only time, and I also have realized that when you're retiring, people give you champagne as a gift a lot. Oh. So that was
0: nice. <laughs> so you have, you're good with champagne for uh, a while. Yeah, I've got
1: I've got some champagne in the in the fridge, and I also got a really sweet gift from a, a um, colleague today. She brought me a whole bunch of eggs that her hens laid.
0: Oh. See, I would, I would love that. That's really cool. I, I did
1: love it, yeah. And she's gonna teach teach me how to make kombucha this summer. She's um she makes kombucha, and um, I told her about the bread, so I'm gonna teach her how to make bread, and she's gonna teach me how to make kombucha. But we have to do it before August because she has to go back to work.
0: <laughs> it's funny. Speaking of pet hens and such, I remember I was researching. I don't know what I was researching. Eggs probably eggs, but I found a thing saying that some people raise chickens in apartments, that they're like really, okay. or uh, was it chickens or was it ducks? It was some sort of bird.
1: Okay. That's funny. And do they sleep with you in your are good? Bed? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. No, I really would like to have chickens, but I don't know. Do cats and chickens coexist well? I've got these cats.
0: I don't know. So I don't know.
1: But it was interesting to talk to her. She told me a lot about the eggs because you know you don't refrigerate fresh eggs when, when you have them, you know, on your own property, you don't have to put them in the fridge, and they last for a long time.
0: They're probably really just like on on the counter.
1: Yeah, I'm excited. We're gonna have egg sandwiches for dinner.
0: Yum! I remember my best friend in elementary school. They had pet sheep. Like they, for just random, like they had a a pin outside with two sheep in it.
1: That is random. That's they're 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 very cute. They didn't like they didn't didn't do anything with the wool. No, oh,
0: I just remember. I can still see it in my head.
1: I told you my family had goats for a while, right? Did I tell you about my family had goats? No, I don't know if I mentioned that when you talked about the goat bed. <sighs> my um my parents had a horse farm for a while and raised paint horses and so i was too old i was already in college by the time they got horses but my sister and my brother did a lot of um like horse shows and they competed and my sister was doing goat tying so she they got goats so she could practice goat tying goat
0: tying
1: yeah, it's like a, an event in the Western horse world. You have to tie up a goat, and whoever ties it up the fastest is the winner. And my sister was the national champion for her age range at tying up goats.
0: Is that still legal?
1: I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> she was great at goat tying. Wow. I'm sure it's legal. I mean, they do all sorts of things in the, with sport.
0: And one of my um, friends in high school, she had a pet flying squirrel. And she would keep it in her purse. That's weird. Yeah.
1: <laughs> All right. Uh, Interesting pets. Starring Jen and Melanie. I know. I decided
0: now I just want fish. Like I don't or like a Venus fly trap or something. I don't want animals. Yeah.
1: Fish. Well, fish are animals (laughs) there.
0: I mean, yeah. Like I want contained animals that don't smell. I know what you mean. They're not furry. And aren't allergic. Yeah. That's a good. Oh, I remember one time, and then this will be my last animal story. When we were looking in houses, um, when we were moving, when I was around like third grade, we looked in a house and there was an aquarium and it had an alligator in it.
1: Oh gosh.
0: Like a little baby alligator. I, but I mean that would get big, right? So like It
1: would. And are those legal to keep in a house? I don't know. I feel like those are not. Like, those are one thing you're probably not supposed to have. We definitely
0: walked in the boys' room, and there was a tank with an alligator.
1: Wow. That's weird. And
0: speaking of alligators, my last thought, I feel like people who aren't from the South or have never been to Florida don't understand the concept of alligators.
1: Oh, it's true we were in hilton head this weekend this past weekend and we saw i mean they had alligators live on the property of the resort we were in we saw alligators just like there there they are
0: there's an alligator just the concept that you can live in a place where there are these huge massive animals that look like that are like dinosaur-esque that could chop you to pieces and they are just outside there they are. Yeah. <laughs> I remember, like, it's I would true. see pictures. My friends, my I saw pictures of my friend who, um, they went to Florida, and they'd never been to Florida before, and they had all these pictures of them just, like, swimming in the ponds and swimming in the lakes, and I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> no. No. <laughs> Get out. No. <laughs>
1: <sighs> yeah. Yeah. It is interesting. We have them around here. They come up the Savannah River. <sighs> I mean, they are in Augusta. You, we'll see an alligator here and there. They're not like roaming the streets or anything, but they do come up the river.
0: When I was in Memphis, I think that's about the farthest up they go up up the um, Mississippi. River. Okay. I didn't
1: know they'd be that far. That's yeah. interesting.
0: And one time there was a manatee oh, in the Mississippi River in Memphis.
1: Wow. Yeah. I haven't heard of those in Augusta.
0: Crazy. All yep. right.
1: So we did we did hit a milestone. Would we like oh, to yes. talk about oh, a very about exciting oh, yes. exciting <laughs> milestone that just happened? Share it with us. So we
0: hit a million downloads. Yay! Yay! <laughs> Another reason to drink champagne. I know. Um and it's going it's rapidly escalating. Now we're like much farther past a million downloads. So that's great. Keep on keeping on. If there we, we go. We could, if we could get a penny for each download, what would that be? What what would a penny for each
1: all right? Move the decimal over two places. So I'll let you figure it out. <laughs> okay, that would be ten thousand dollars. We should have thought about
0: that before we <laughs> <sighs> Jokes. Yeah, that would be nice jokes. Okay. Anyway. But if listeners would like to support the podcast, you can do so on <laughs> Patreon, uh, patreon.com ifpodcast. We would gladly accept any donations for um, support. It's really helpful. That would be awesome. All righty. Shall we, shall we get started? Yes. With some intermittent fasting? Yes. So to start things off, we have some listener feedback. This is actually really old listener feedback but i was going through all of the all of the emails and i realized we left some out and this one just made me chuckle so i thought i'd throw it in there so this is from angelica and the subject is bubbles and angelica says hi melanie i just listened to episode 33 and i wanted you to know that when i used to drink soda i would always swish out the bubbles in my mouth before swallowing you got to keep your mouth open too so they can escape lol and when i had drank enough to have room in the top of the can or cup i gently start shaking it so the bubbles would dissipate that way haha ha. nowadays i'm good with carbonation and champagne or beer but not in kombucha oh speaking of <laughs> just thought you'd like to know so i'm not alone with my bubble swishing
1: that's yeah, great. I'm drinking my sparkling mineral water right now. And you don't right swish
0: now. it. You just you just no, You just drink it, and you let all those bubbles I, get into your. Ooh.
1: Yeah, I don't swish it. I just drink it. <laughs> <laughs> yep, I just swallow it down. I just like tried to see what I did. Yep, I just drank
0: it. Nothing fancy. Oh, I can't.
1: Yeah. Do you do that with champagne too?
0: Um, I, I'm not a huge champagne fan, actually. Um,
1: okay.
0: I don't know. Probably not, probably not, because you sip it so slowly, you know?
1: It's
0: probably not,
1: but... Fascinating. All right, are we ready for our next listener feedback? Yes. This one is from Lee, and the subject is, thank you. And Lee says, Jen and Melanie, I want to thank you both for being an important part of so many wonderful changes in my life due to IF. At 56, I've spent much of my life searching for physical and emotional health, strength, and a goal of loving my body through the foods I eat. Searching in other areas too, of course, but I'm sticking to foods for this note. I'm surprised to find that I have accidentally done a version of IF much of my adult life, although an unhealthy version previously. However, my goal was the number on the scale, and it was always in secret because, because others always negatively commented when I didn't eat like they did. Those comments and the unhealthy version Eating mostly sugar when I did eat led me to years of anxiety because of the harm I felt I was doing to my body. Now, with your help, I've switched to a healthy version of IF, and I'm blown away by the multitude of benefits I'm already experiencing after just a few weeks. My health slash food journey has been a long one, and I love that you both support the kind of thinking where it's something I can always be fine-tuning and learning about and enhancing. I love, too, that you both support finding what works for each person individually and you offer so many options for us to experiment with in finding the best solutions for each of us. For example, though the flavored coffee doesn't work for many as it might make them hungry by stimulating their taste buds, it works amazingly for me and it makes me feel like I've just had a treat and go on with the IF to conclusion. I love the diversity and variety for each of us in IF, always being able to check in with the two of you if we're feeling off base in any way or need help in the fine tuning. I look forward to more of that on my journey. If I do feel a step back in any food area, I always know I'll be able to take two steps forward soon. I just need to listen to more of your podcasts. So since IF was not a far reach for me, except for the sugar addiction, I noticed improvements instantly. I especially love the body transformation process where I already fit into my clothes from the previous size, even though the number on the scale doesn't say that. I love your terminology of desensitizing myself to the number on the scale and instead focusing on the weight loss trend. Even more exciting for me personally are the emotional benefits I'm experiencing and the energy. I feel like I'm on an emotional high, so positive and upbeat all the time. And I'm so glad to have those in my life benefit from my positivity as well. My newfound energy is an amazing gift. All done with my holiday prep because of this energy and now able to listen to some more podcasts and practice self-care. A great positive upward spiral. So much more I want to thank you both for. I love so much about your podcasts and it feels like I'm sitting down with a cup of coffee, black of course, with two friends to chat about lifestyle improvements. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. I'm so loving this IF approach and I'm so grateful to have so many benefits to look forward to and to keep improving upon, Lee. Lee, I loved reading that feedback and thank you for sharing that. And I have one little thing I want to stick in I there, know, Mel- I know Melanie. Melanie knows. Going to say. She knows. I almost she knows interrupted what I'm you say. while
0: reading. Yeah. It. I was like,
1: up, oh, but nope. <laughs> yeah. And that is the flavored coffee. I have a blog post that I, I um we will link And, um, it is all about the clean fast and it talks about many different things besides just, of course, things that are definitely sweet, like the artificial sweeteners. And one of those things is the flavored coffee. And I, I caution you to be careful about that. It's possible that there are some flavors of flavored coffee that, that may not be a problem, but there are just so many variables. We don't know what they're putting in it. They, you know, they, they call things natural flavors. We don't know what they are. And it's all about what your body perceives it to be. For example, if you have a flavored coffee that's called, I mean, some of them are easy, right? Like um, cinnamon roll flavored coffee you know your body is going to be more likely to think that that one is sweet you know or if it's like chocolate dream flavored coffee or something you know you can tell from the name you don't want your body to taste it and think that you're having food so i always suggest not to have flavored coffee that's part of my clean clean fast blog post and I would like to encourage you to try it without the flavored coffee for a couple of weeks and see, um, and then try the flavored coffee that you've been drinking and see if you don't notice a difference. That would be my recommendation for that because, you know, there's just so many variables and so many different things that the coffee could be flavored with, but we, as a rule, generally don't recommend the flavored coffee. And Melanie? I'm
0: on the same page, actually. I think flavored coffees are (laughs) definitely not the best, especially because the flavors used to create them. Like Jen said, it's usually some sort of artificial flavoring. We don't really know what's in it. It's not real food. Not that you'd be having food during the fast, but it's it's just unnecessary (laughs) for the body. Um, So I do encourage you, Lee, to try a span where you don't have it and see if you feel even better than you do already. But that said... I, I do think it's important to find what works for you, and if if that's the one thing that you keep in, I, I wouldn't stress about it. I mean, it might, who knows what it does down the road, but I just don't. I I wouldn't s- super stress, but I would encourage you to follow Jen's advice and try it without it. I'm personally um, feel much better after having cut out the flavored coffees and such. Yeah. And
1: I didn't realize how much better I would feel till I cut all that stuff out, too. And it. then when I've had something, I've, I've noticed such a striking difference. So that's really the best way to show it to yourself. Try it without it. But you got to give yourself some time to adjust to not having it first. And then it's pretty clear. And in my blog post that I just talked about, the Clean Fast blog post, there are a bunch of stories at the end. And, you know, I was writing this blog post. I can't even remember when I wrote it. It's been over a year, I think. And in my Facebook group, I was just like, hey, anybody have any stories illustrating the clean fast versus the not clean fast? And within like 30 minutes, I had like 50 people who had a story. And so I just copied and pasted those into the blog post. And it was really interesting how many people were like, yeah, I didn't think it was a big deal. And then this, this, this. And it's just so interesting reading their stories. So, you know, do we have a science journal experiment, you know, a study that we can talk about flavored coffee? No. But we do have a lot of people who have been trying it and who have tried it both ways. And so that's, um, you know, we've got some science. It's based on the idea of the brain thinking that you're eating. Do we have a specific flavored coffee study? No. But we do have a lot of anecdotal evidence. So be your N equals one study and try it on yourself.
0: And it reminds me Jen did you watch that video that the listener sent us about the YouTube video with all the sweeteners
1: I haven't had any time to do anything I've been so busy
0: Oh no worries um yeah so a listener sent us a YouTube video and it's actually a it's like a keto keto uh group but it was really interesting um and the two the two people in it they uh they basically tested all the different sweeteners and then tested their their blood glucose and their ketones afterwards. It was really fascinating. So they tried like pure sugar and then they tried they did they did everything. They did stevia, they did erythritol, they did xylitol, malatol, one called I hadn't even heard of called um al- allulose, which is like yeah, the I've new kid on the that. block. It's like the new kid. They tried all of them, m- monk fruit, and then they measured and it was really really interesting so most of and then they tried obviously like saccharin and aspartame so i don't advocate i definitely don't advocate the artificial sweeteners but um if you'd like to know their findings most of the artificial sweeteners did not result in any change in blood sugar except the um the xylitol that one like really spiked their sugar and then malatol. And, of course,
1: well, we're worried about an insulin response. So you can't measure that, you know, at your house. Right, right. I'm just I'm just talking about this yeah. video now. It's like a separate – I just I just I want to make that point for the listeners because we get that confusion a lot. People are like, "Well, here's a whole bunch of studies that show that these different sweeteners don't raise blood glucose, but that's not what we're concerned about here. We're concerned about whether it raises your insulin levels."
0: Right. It was still as a side note. <laughs> yeah. Interesting interesting video. So I'll put a link to that in the show notes. So if you go to ifpodcast.com/episode60, I'll put a link there to that video. And
1: just to be clear, we're not saying so all these things are fine have them while fasting. We're not. I still believe that the clean fast is is what makes the
0: difference right this is just a tangent (laughs) this is like not related well i I just want to make
1: sure because people are like oh they just said that i can have all these because it was in this video and it was didn't raise the blood sugar and so people i just know how people are (laughs) and so yeah they're gonna be like look it didn't raise blood sugar so this is all fine and that's of course not what we're talking about but
0: yeah yeah i was talking more for just the video as a standalone talking about different sugar substitutes effects on blood sugar levels for um individuals so it's very interesting definitely all right shall we jump into the questions for today yep let's get started with those so our first question comes from sheila and she actually has two questions i'm going to read the first part of her email with the first question and then i'm going to combine the second question with another email So she says, hi, Jenna, Melanie, love and appreciate your podcast. I've tried intermittent fasting in the past, but I've never been able to stick with it until now, thanks to clean fasting, (laughs) speaking of, and not being so strict with my window. I've been doing it for just over two weeks. And as long as I reach that 16 hour mark, I consider it a success. But most of the time I get to 18 to 20 hours pretty easily. My question is this. I recently listened to the episode where you guys disagreed about what constitutes one meal a day when the window is opened with a snack. Perhaps that would be <laughs> O-S-A-O-M-A-D. So one snack and one meal a day. Ha ha. So does it really make a difference if you're eating one meal, one meal and a snack, or even two meals if your eating window is the same? Assuming the, en- assuming the energy balance remains equal. I don't calorie count, but just to clarify, would it really make a difference if I have a four to five hour window and within that window, I eat either a 1500 calorie meal, a 1250 calorie meal and a 250 calorie snack or two 750 calorie meals. So, um, what are your thoughts on that, Jen? Well, that's an interesting question. Um,
1: I mean, you know, theoretically you could argue it both ways, right? Um, It's funny that that this question came up today because just today, somebody in one of the Facebook groups shared a a photo of something that stood out to her from reading Dr. Burt Hearing's Appetite Correction book, which, of course, we've recommended before. Dr. Hearing, in this quote, said something like, and I'm just paraphrasing because I'm getting it out of my brain. He said something like, theoretically, it would be better to graze throughout your window on small amounts of food until you're satisfied because that would have less of a up and down. He said insulin in this quote, less insulin up and down, up and down. And he felt like that would be better physiologically. That's what he said theoretically he thought would be better. So could there be a difference? Maybe it might be better to have smaller amounts spread out um, technically throughout your window.
0: Yeah, I think actually the biggest difference is going to come down to two different things, satiety levels and then also the digest the digestive process. So, for the satiety levels, that would be kind of similar to what you were just talking about Jen, and whether or not you get full more easily, you know, grazing and eating the same amount versus eating it all at once and then how that makes you feel afterwards. So I I think the pattern can affect how you would feel in the fast. Um, You might find that having it all in one big meal makes you less hungry later, or you might find that having two separate meals works best. So it's kind of like a personal thing. And then also I think digestion is huge because – I've been listening, I talk about that ATP Project podcast a lot and they often talk about the digestive process and how different foods stimulate different digestive enzymes and you know require different enzymes, require different amounts of stomach acid. And so it could be different if you have like one whole meal in a certain pattern. So you could have one meal and and maybe it's easily digestible Whatever, (laughs) compared to having like a meal, a smaller meal, and having the whole digestive process, and then having another meal and restarting the whole digestive process, I think it's just really complicated. Yeah, it is. It's a matter of, like we always say, finding what works for you. But I do think that how you break it down will affect the digestive process to some extent. So it's really just a matter of finding what works best. So like for me, I tend to munch and graze on like cucumbers and wine and stuff like that. Then I have my main meal with like all my fish and my my avocado oil and coconut oil and some veggies and things like that. And then I tend to munch on some like pineapple for dessert. So that's like my personal pattern, but there are different patterns that work for different people. So I encourage you to experiment and just find what works for you.
1: Yeah, and that really is what works better for me too. Having a snack to start with and then, of course, I don't then eat for a while. I wait and then I have dinner later and then I might munch on a little something, maybe something sweet to close my window. I feel better with that. Something small, then my meal, then something small. But I will say not everyone finds that to be true. Some people find they overeat when they do it like that and some people do better by opening with the meal itself and then... You know, if they need something else later, that's fine. I, I don't do as well with that. One day this weekend while we were on vacation, um, we had a really early, like, quote, dinner. It was like 3.30, and my husband hadn't eaten yet. Um, he loosely intermittent does intermittent fasting, but he usually has lunch. He has more like an eight-hour window with two meals. And so it was 3.30, and he's like, we haven't eaten yet. Let's eat. So we, we ate what we called dinner, and it was a, a big meal at a restaurant, And I was like, well, this is going to be it for the day. And then at about 8 30 or 9 o'clock, I was like, I must eat something else. (laughs) So, you know, some people do great with one big meal at 3 30, and then that's all they have for the day. So, as we say a million times to a million people now, (laughs) there really is not just one way, best way to do it. You have to figure out what works for you. Theoretically, according to Dr. Hearing, like I said that, you know, hormonally it might make a difference to have a little bit as you go along throughout your window. But I I have said before, I've said before that you can make yourself crazy trying to do what is theoretically best when really you just have to do what feel, feels good to you and your body.
0: Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> All right, and then the second part of Sheila's question, she says, my other question is about meat broth that Melanie mentioned in previous podcasts. All the recipes I find online are for bone broth, so what is the difference, and do you have a recipe? Thanks so much for your podcast, and have a great day. And before, before we answer that, we have another question from Diana, and the subject is bone broth. And Diana says, I'm loving your podcast. I've been IFing for one month. Pre-IF, I would mix my bone broth collagen and my super greens powder with pineapple juice and water, but I've given that up since starting IF. I just can't eat tons during my window, and that was a pretty filling morning snack for me. I get bone broth collagen in powder form from Amazon. I heard y'all talking about making your own. Is the powder form I'm getting comparable to what you make? It's just easier for me as I'm going to start breaking my fast with my old concoction of super greens, pineapple juice, and water with my collagen. Thanks so much and keep up the great work. All right.
1: Um, first of all, talking about the one you're getting, talking about Diana's question about getting the powder from Amazon, this is really a very broad question and it, it's hard to be specific with the answer because you know, there are so many varieties of products and some products are going to be so much better than others. You know, if we just say all powdered form of bone broth, there are going to be some that are higher quality than others. That being said, I did some research about this and I, I do think that you're better off to make it yourself. If if you're really looking for all the benefits of, of a good bone broth, Um, you know, the gelatin is important and you you just don't really know how they made it. I found some critiques of the powdered bone broths. And, you know, they can add all sorts of things. I found an article that talked about, you know, trace amounts of things being inside some of these um, powders. So just be very, very careful. You know, this is a new supplement on the market. This is not something that's been around for a, a long time. So just be, be very aware. And I would make sure you're getting it from a very reputable company that, that has maybe other products you're familiar with and um, be very careful of the source because the article that I read about it talked about all these different ways things could be made and yet they're all called bone broth powder and you just don't really know how they're made and what's in them what do you think about that specifically Melanie
0: yeah I agree completely I would really err on the side of ideally making your own which I'll talk about a little bit in a second, or secondly getting getting the the pre-made versions but really looking and not the powdered versions but the actual broth but really looking into the ingredients and the additives and making sure that it's something that's clean and well made and doesn't have a lot of added doesn't have additives and um it's something similar to what you would make yourself so now i did some interesting learning that
1: i didn't realize before um for this question because i just I mean, I had some ideas in my head about bone broth versus, you know, meat broth and whatever. I actually, when you were talking about meat broth, Melanie, were you talking about meat stock or just broth made from meat?
0: Broth made from meat. It's it's so no, funny. No... Did you look up the official definition of stock? Well, yeah,
1: and Me too. I found a, a meat stock recipe. You actually do use bones when mm-hmm. making a meat stock, and so. You know there's different levels. I guess a meat broth, if you just made it from meat, that would be one thing. That'd be meat broth. Right. Meat broth. And then a meat stock is in between a bone broth and a meat broth. But then there's the bone broth. And the difference between the meat stock and the meat and the I'm sorry, the meat stock and the bone broth is interesting. And I didn't know that um the stock, you don't cook as long as a bone broth, but there's sometimes you might not want the bone
0: broth and you might actually prefer the meat stock. Did you find that to be true in your research? Well, I found that stock, it has to be made with bones, but then in addition, it has a, I don't know how you say it, a mirepoix added. So it's with carrots, onions, and celery. Yeah, that's that's the the vegetables. Yeah. Yeah, so that yeah. makes it officially and not stock. only just that, but
1: apparently the the bone broth can be hard for people who have um, digestive issues. Like if you have leaky gut, apparently bone broth can be harsh for those people. And so the, um, the meat stock, yes, it's made with bones, but you don't cook it as long. And so it's actually better. I would recommend a meat stock for somebody because that's still going to have the gelatin, but it's not going to be quite as. Harsh as the the bone broth.
0: Well, yeah, that that's the reason I originally talked about meat broth instead right. of bone broth was because bone broth, it is super healing and it does have a lot of compounds that aren't found in the meat stock. But that said, for people with really sensitive guts, especially people on a gut healing protocol, they might find a meat stock is more gentle in the beginning. I'm oh, sorry, a meat broth. broth. <laughs> so basically making broth just from the meat not the bones can be more gentle on their system and then later bringing in the meat the stock <laughs> later bringing yeah. in the bone broth. I'm not even going to well, talk about they, stock.
1: They, but I think that's important because the the article that I read said that the meat stock actually is going to have beneficial properties that the meat broth won't. So it's like maybe if you're super sensitive, start with meat broth, then graduate to the meat stock because it's going to have stuff in it that the meat broth doesn't have. And then eventually maybe go into the bone broth. I just didn't realize they're, you know, quite so different. But there are things in the meat stock that are beneficial, but not going to bother you the same way bone broth
0: would. What I found was that basically stock was bone broth with, like I said, the vegetables.
1: Well, I found an article that talked about the – this is the quote from it. The most significant difference between meat stock and bone broth is that stock is not cooked as long as broth. This results in some pros as well as cons. And the pros, the stock is just as rich in gelatin and detoxifying amino acids as broth the nutrients are pulled out of the meat and connective tissue during the first several hours of cooking. So that's the difference as, and some of the compounds that were a problem for the bone broth had to do with the fact they were cooked longer.
0: So, so, so terminology aside, um, I suggest if you do have a sensitive gut, starting with a soupy liquid made from meat only yes. and then you can graduate to a soupy liquid made from bones and you can progressively cook it longer as you see fit. That's really the key takeaway I got from this. Yeah. And then also because another thing is um, people who struggle with histamine intolerance and things like that, bone broth might bother them as well. So that can be another thing. As far as as a recipe goes, so I will do a quick plug. Um, If you get my book, What When, Wine, Lose Weight and Feel Great with Paleo Style Meals, Intermittent Fasting and Wine. So the chef who did all the recipes for that, her name is Ariane Resnick. So she actually wrote the Bone Broth Miracle, which is all about making your own bone broth and has tons of recipes. But if you check out my book, I also have a recipe for bone broth and meat broth in there as well. But long story short, you basically – I mean, it's very easy. You basically – I use an instant pop. You can also use a slow cooker. But you add – depending if you're making the meat broth, you would add, like, the meat and water. And then um, you can add some salt if you like, some apple cider vinegar if you like. Um, The apple cider vinegar might be a little bit more important when you're making bone broth, which is the same thing, but you're going to be using bones instead of meat. And the apple cider vinegar can – basically leach out some of the minerals from the bones and things like that then like I said if you're more sensitive you might want to go easy on the vinegar aspect and then you can also add if you want to add like flavorings with things like vegetables so carrots onion celery things like that you can do that as well but there are different times for cooking and things like that so if you go to slash episode 60 I'll put a link there with some more information but super easy to make. I mean, it seems like kind of daunting and that it would be easier to just buy it pre-made, but once you get in the habit, it's really, really easy, especially if you have a pressure cooker, super easy. And as far as where do you get bones, um, actually Whole Foods often has bones. And even if they're often in the freezer section, but even if they don't have them out front, if you ask, they typically have them or they can start getting them for you. It's not hard. Um, and you can really use all different types of cuts of things, depending on what you want to do. So we talked on a previous podcast about how I got the the chicken feet, <laughs> and and
1: yeah, you know, um, I was gonna say that because the recipe that I found for meat stock had as the ingredients one whole chicken and also two to four chicken feet.
0: <laughs> oh yes, represent. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so there you are, go, but there there it was. <laughs> those are and they're also super cheap at Whole Foods, and um, oh, I bet. they're very collagen rich as well. Right, right. So chicken necks you can inquire if it has the thyroid gland in it <laughs> <laughs> oh that's great uh, so yep all, all right well that was a great stuff. question
1: and and I learned some stuff on that one so that was good just that that's really more of a continuum but I didn't realize that I mean I know we talked about it before but I, I didn't really quite realize that bone broth was going to be a problem for some people that's pretty much out there that you know yeah even yep. though it's super healing that that you it may be a problem if you have leaky gut
0: yeah you can just have some potentially problematic compounds in there so Mm -hmm.
1: but i think it's really great
0: for maintenance once you once you do heal your gut and yes very healthy yeah that's what it
1: that's what i was reading all right you ready for our our next question Mm -hmm. this is from jennifer and the subject is supplements Jennifer says, I have been listening to your podcast as of February 2018. I have started with IF last week. Although I have just a few pounds I'd like to lose, it is not why I have begun the lifestyle. I hope to reap all of the benefits. My question is, you talk a lot about the different supplements that you like and that are good. Do you personally take all of the supplements you talk about? It seems like a lot of different things. I want to do what is good for me, but at the same time, I'm not a big fan of pill taking. What would you recommend? And I'm just going to say, because I know Melanie's going to have a, a lot to talk about with this one. I really take very little. I take serapeptase in the morning. I take magnesium at bedtime. And that's it. So I'm done.
0: <laughs> How about you, Melanie? Um, well, my answer is actually pretty short as well. Oh, good. Um, first of all, Jennifer, thank you for your question. So all the supplements I talk about, because I have experimented with a ton of supplements, but like you, I'm also not a huge fan of pill taking, even though it may seem like I am with all the things I talk about. Um, I am more of a fan of getting nutrition and everything from whole foods, but I do think supplements are can be really important for specific issues or tackling certain things, so I'm always experimenting with those. Um, so everything I've talked about, if I personally talked about it, unless unless I talked about it as like in theory and didn't try it, if I said I tried it or used it, then I yes, I did try it or use it. Whether or not I still use it, probably unlikely. Especially recently, I've been trying to get away from supplements a little bit more and go more and more and more towards Whole Foods. Um, so yeah, we've talked about lots of supplements in the past and all throughout different episodes, but. Yeah, that's my that's my short answer. I don't. So,
1: is your your regimen now just serapeptase and that's it?
0: No, I do. I I I experiment with a lot of things. Um, okay, it really just depends, and it depends on the day. Um, in the morning, I take serapeptase and then low dose naltrexone, which we've talked about on the past on the podcast before. And then when it comes to dinner, it really just depends on what I'm experimenting with at the moment. I do typically take like HCL, which is, um, for for digestion, also digestive enzymes, although I'm sort of on the fence about those at the moment. And then, um, I do experiment on and off with things like right now I'm playing around with more quercetin, which is anti-inflammatory. Also I'll take milk thistle on occasion. Um, I do take probiotics often. I kind of rotate different things. The one that's kind of a consistent one is prescriptasis, which is a soil-based probiotic that I take. But then I play with other strains as well. So I mean, it really just depends. And then some days I don't take any. So, <laughs> And part of me, like I said, kind of wants to do a supplement fast and take like literally nothing for a few weeks and just see what happens. I keep telling myself I'm going to do that. And then I and then I'm like, oh, but I need the digestive enzyme. Oh, but I need this. It's so bad. I I, I should try just not taking anything. Yeah. But um oh magnesium and, as well. Yeah, and
1: I'll I will take something if I have a specific ailment. Like for example, if I felt like I was getting sick, I would take olive leaf extract because it's great for that. And um like or like you know, if I thought I had a cold coming on, I would do that. Or that's pretty much it
0: though. Yeah. So, in general, though, it's it's ideal to get things from Whole Foods. Mm-hmm. Our food's just definitely not as nutritious as it used to be. So that's unfortunate. But
1: oh, and occasionally I'll supplement with iron. I've always had low um, iron. I've I've been anemic before, like all my life. Like the, every time they've tested me, I was anemic. So I'll test. I'll take um, iron sometimes. And the way that I know if I'm not feeling right. Um, I was having some issue with restless legs off and on. And I read about what causes that and it's caused by low iron. So if I feel like I'm getting a little restless leg kind of thing going on, then I'll I'll take some some iron supplement. But that's, you know, I, I, I do try to get I, I'm not eating as much meat as I used to eat, so I don't know.
0: I do just want to comment quickly on the restless legs because I've been I've had them in the past and then they kind of went away and now they're getting really bad <laughs> and I've done a lot of research on them. And iron, low iron can be a cause, but there are a lot of potential causes. And, um, it's really a matter of, I mean, I wish I knew the answer cause I still am getting them, but, um, I just don't, I just don't want listeners to think that low iron is the cause of restless legs. Like definitely. I mean, there's a lot of things that cause a
1: lot of things that seems to help me.
0: Yeah. No, that's, when I that, that's supplement with thing. iron.
1: Like if I ever start to feel I have restless legs, I'll take iron and that helps me.
0: Yeah. I've heard, um, or I've read that it can be low iron. It can be, um, a dysregulation and dopamine production, which is really interesting. Oh, and this is a tangent. So I was researching like ways to boost dopamine because I think, I think I used to be like a really dopamine strong person. And I've kind of switched to more of like the serotonin side of things. Like, I, like I used to feel more of the, the dopamine in life. So like the drive and the the energy and things like that. And now I feel like I'm more... Like, Chill. Serotonin dominant. Yeah, and I, I kind of miss my dopamine self, like, a lot. <laughs> um, so I've been, exp- like, researching ways to, you know, stimulate that. And um, did you know that bargain hunting and, like, looking for deals is a way to boost dopamine? Like, because I- I'll do this thing where I'm, like, on Amazon trying to find, like, the perfect the perfect version of something that I'm looking for. And I've always noticed that it makes me, like, really happy. But apparently it's, like, an evolutionary thing because it goes back to – um, it's, like, goes – text into the award system. And dopamine is something that drives you to try to find a reward. So looking sh- – so, like, online shopping. <laughs> yeah, that makes
1: perfect sense. And, and the people who, like – well, I mean, a lot of people do have – I don't want to say a problem with too much shopping, but you know what I mean? People who like just like there were some T V shows at some point about that where people would just go and like buy things and buy things and buy things and it's mm-hmm. tapping into that reward center in the brain. So it makes yeah. total sense to me. Um like any I don't want to say addiction. I'm not saying you have a shopping
0: addiction <laughs> oh, at all. No,
1: but you know what I mean. I like actually any- don't
0: buy like anything at the stores. Yeah. I
1: just <laughs> But but for people who, you know, it's it's they're getting something in the reward center of their brain for um for that that makes sense to me totally uh,
0: i'm fascinated by dopamine other other ways you can raise it um, protein is really important for it and tyrosine a specific amino acid um but yeah lots of stuff there but as far as the restless legs go if anybody has like a go-to thing that's worked for them definitely let me know because it's been a thing for me recently and for me yeah. it really is the
1: iron the iron makes a difference in um I, I didn't know that the two were linked until I started reading about it. And then I was like, oh, well, that makes sense. I've always been low in iron. And then I when I supplemented, I'm not, so I don't take it consistently. But if I feel the restless legs coming back, I'll supplement for a few days. And then it's, it takes care of it for me. So it seems like to, for me, that is the link.
0: That's awesome. I'm so jealous that that works for you. I know magnesium does work for some people. Right. Also, there's the whole. Have you heard the soap bar thing? I've heard that. Yeah, I don't understand that at all. But I don't know. I've been. I <laughs> I do it, and it kind of helps. I think. Yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So people say that if you put like two things of soap in your bed, like under I, the sheet. People people say different things, like ivory soap or Dove soap, or, but, it seems to help me.
1: Yeah,
0: I I don't know what the physiological basis of that would be at all. I know. And I um every now and then I'm like, "Oh, I think I found what what's causing it." But the but it's so variable. It's like not so I don't know. I think I think it relates to something going on in my my gut, yeah. probably or something. So many so. things go back to that. And our
1: bodies are so complicated. You know, if it was easy to to solve these problems, we wouldn't have, you know, so many doctors and different types of medicines and different things and different supplements. And, you know, even with medications that are supposed to be the same, you know, one brand versus the other brand or generic versus whatever, people react differently to them. So there's so many things. We're, we're very, very complicated m- machines, right? <laughs> and
0: then there's the whole placebo effect. Exactly. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Which is what that bar of soap always sounds. <laughs>
0: to me i know so it doesn't sound, <laughs> sound like that a bit yeah.
1: who knows the um, mind is a powerful thing as we talked about with the book biology of belief so
0: so funny so i went to a a chiropractor the other day and he was wonderful he was like really holistic and really took into account the whole body and was just amazing and somehow i don't know i don't know how he came up but um he was like have you read biology of belief oh yeah like, oh, it's a sign Although I'm really upset because, so I bought it, I got it on, De- on Audible, but the Audible version is an abridged version. Uh, it's only, it's only, um, it's only three hours, which must be like yeah tiny. And I was reading some of the reviews and people were like, this is not, I mean, it had fantastic reviews, but for people who were realizing that it was abridged, they were saying that's not the full version. Right. So I actually, I'm going to get the Kindle version and just read it. You can know how, and well, I'm going to let, yeah, I'm going to read it and I'm going to let Kindle read to me. Oh, too, okay. I, I multitask. Okay. I just recently started doing that. Did you know you can have like your iPhone read yeah, Kindle? Yeah, I did. And apparently Alexa can too, but, or computer, my computer, my Alexa, I call her computer. Yeah. I'm surprised she's not responding.
1: I don't do well with, um, maybe, I don't know, but I don't do well with things reading al- aloud to me. Maybe that's probably why I don't listen to the podcast and I don't listen. I like to read it. I don't retain it like my brain wanders when i'm listening
0: i think we talked about this before i was never an auditory learner but i think now i do it so much that i think i'm really lo- training that part of the brain because i literally all day listen i'm listening to something which is probably not good because we're all doing other things <laughs> i should probably be more mindful literally there's something talking to me every single second audiobooks podcasts going
1: at all times wow yeah yeah i don't like when i'm cooking i like to listen to music
0: Oh, see i used to listen to music i should that's what i do You
1: should probably switch back to music. i like music i listen
0: <laughs> to music and oh music is another way to boost dopamine well
1: there we go see i've got my dopamine is all boosted up thank you music i really i listen to music all the time my son's trying to get me to buy one of those apple pod things those new ones what are they called Home Pods. I don't know. But he was trying to get me to buy one of those. And it, I'm like, no, I'll just keep listening to my speaker.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: Old school. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, it's a Bluetooth speaker. It's kind of new school, right?
0: <laughs> Definitely.
1: <laughs> In the whole realm of, you know, all the different things we've listened to over the years. You you never had a Walkman, I'm sure.
0: That was like right. Yeah, that was right before. I was um boombox. Yeah, but age, I also bet the like Walkman 90s. you saw
1: was not a cassette tape Walkman, was it?
0: Oh, it, it froze. Sorry, what did you oh. say? It
1: froze. I bet when you think about a Walkman, you think of a, of a CD Walkman. We had cassette tape Walkmans.
0: Oh. I I had cassette tapes when I was really little.
1: <laughs>
0: like, like. Preschool. I had cassette tapes when I
1: that was like the next technology for us. We had records.
0: Oh my goodness, at Chick-fil-A, they would give away those cassette tapes. That's true. For the, um, They would the book for the for the what's it called? They had these the, little um, books in their, their well, little kid meal. What was that series? What was that series called? Not oh, know. Oh, it was
1: so good. Wait, Veggie Tales?
0: Was that love veggie tales, but not Veggie Tales? The oh adventures in odyssey oh yeah yeah we had some of those oh my goodness yep yes so you had cassette tapes we'll see there you go (laughs) i am going oh my goodness i'm looking at the adventures in odyssey now on google oh yes and there was the one with the big foot oh man oh man I'm going to start. I'm going to listen to these. There you go. I wonder if they're on Spotify. <laughs> <laughs> it's still not music. You're still not listening to music. I want to be a kid. I, I used to listen to music all the time. Yep. <laughs> all right. So we'll, we have one more question. This comes from Tiff. And the subject is confusion reigns. And Tiff says, good day, Jen and Melanie from Australia. I probably should have done that in an accent, but I can't. <laughs> I love your podcast, and I've been obsessed with everything IF. I've been fasting daily for a month and basically do one meal a day with a three- to four-hour window, clean fasting. I was recently diagnosed with type 2 diabetes, and since and since fasting, my blood sugar has been slowly improving. However, my morning numbers are high, ranging from 10 to 13 millimol- millimolars a liter. And I looked that up, and that's 180 to 234 if you're thinking about it in terms of blood glucose. I take one metformin at night with my meal. I've removed fructose from my diet, but I'm eating some carbs in my one meal a day. I fear removing these would make me miserable. My question is, will continuing one meal a day slowly fix my morning sugars? Is it a matter of patience or do I need to try eliminating carbs at least initially? Like I said, I've only been doing this a month and I have a lot of stored fat. So I am wondering what your opinion is on what's the best strategy might be, time or adjusting food. I hope this makes sense. Thank you for all you do. You're amazing. All right. So I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this, Jen. Well, this is a
1: question we actually get frequently in the Facebook groups where people talk about how they're – um. Their blood glucose actually looks worse for a while, especially in the morning. And so we always send them to a blog post written by Dr. Jason Fung about the dawn phenomenon. And we will link this in our show notes. But he does the the best job explaining it. I mean, he's a doctor and he um, you know, talks about the medical background behind why this happens. It basically to summarize in a really short way, and forgive me, I'm not a doctor but it has to do with the fact that your body is moving the glucose out of storage while you're fasting and sleeping of course you're sleeping overnight so you're not eating and then in the morning you wake up there are the blood glucose is it's it's visible for you but um the dawn phenomenon is what what he talks about and um according to, to Dr. Fung it occurs in about 75% of type 2 diabetes or patients with type 2 diabetes. And it has to do with hormones that the body is secreting in the morning. And it, it's a really complicated process. Read Dr. Fung's take on it. You know, I could try to summarize it for you, but I might butcher it and say it in a in a way that is wrong. <laughs> so read what he has to say about it from our link. But know that it is, it is normal for this to occur. And it, it does puzzle a lot of people. Now, you know, as far as like, the question that you asked specifically, will continuing one meal a day slowly fix your morning blood sugars we We don't know the answer to that theoretically, you know the answer may be yes if your body if the fasting is enough for you and um over time you'll know you know by by checking your numbers that sort of thing, maybe it will be enough, but again, maybe it isn't your body you know is gonna be specific to you. And so theoretically, it could help over time. Maybe it won't. Do You asked if you had to adjust the food and go to low carb. Maybe that would help you more. You know, Dr. Fung talks about this as well too, lowering carbs. If you're type 2 diabetic and you're really trying to give the one-two punch to your problem, lowering carbs, especially highly refined carbs, would definitely be something to consider doing. You know, Melanie and I both are are carb eaters. We we like carbs. Um, And I know that you mentioned you would like to eat carbs as well. But yeah, you know, I'm just going to tell you the truth. It may make a difference for you. So you could try that. But again, having the high blood sugar in the morning is something that is common. And Dr. Fung um, explains why that is so in his blog post. I hope I explained that well. I felt like I was bumbling all around.
0: Melanie, do you want to, what do you want to say about no. it? <laughs> um, so it's so funny. So my first when I first read the question, that was my first thing. I was like, oh, cortisol spike in the morning, that's what it is. So you know, make sure you test like a little bit, like an hour or so after you wake up, and see if it is still that high. You might find that it's gone down. Dawn effect was the first thing that I thought of right away. I, I do have a question though. Doctor Fung's post on that. Is, is he talking about just in general, pe- people in general experiencing that, or is he talking about people with type 2 diabetes Well, he says that?
1: everyone experiences it, but it's going to be more pronounced in the people who have, you know, the type 2 diabetes. Oh, type 2. Yeah, okay. it's going to be more pronounced, but it is a, a typical effect. Um, it's it's based on your circadian rhythm. It's, it's normal. But see, for those of us who do not have type 2 diabetes, we're going to have smaller swings in, in
0: levels. Okay. Yeah, because that was my first initial thought was, yes, it's normal. But then at the same time, I mean, if you're having like over, I, I don't, I see, I don't know what the reference range right. is. Right. And, and but if you're because if you're having a spike of if it's like two, like she said, really high. Miles. Yeah, if, I mean, 234 in the morning, that's really high. So I I don't want to, I don't want her to think that it's just fine. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's what I I really, I don't want listeners to think. We are not doctors. Exactly. (laughs) We are really not doctors. And so I don't want you to think, oh, it's fine if I have blood sugar levels of 200 after fasting for, um, that it could be the Dawn effect, but ideally we, we do want to look at those levels and we do want to get them, you know, yeah. In a good range. This is a
1: conversation to have with a doctor, really.
0: But I, I will say a few little quick thoughts. Um, I agree with Jen. Um, low carb might be something that could really, really work for you, you could definitely try that. I would even say you could try a keto approach if that's something that appeals to you. It's definitely all the rage right now, but I mean, people on keto often do seem, often do see, you know, really drastic improvements in their, in their blood sugar levels. And that is definitely a thing. It doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be on it for life, but it might just be a matter of, you know, doing it for a while and really fixing your insulin regulation, fixing your blood sugar levels, and then bringing back carbs, you know, back in. So that might be something that would work for you. I'd also definitely really encourage you to look at the type of carbs. So you said you don't have fructose, but we don't know what type of carbs you're having. And I've talked about, um, this study before, but they, they did this study pretty recently where they looked at people's blood sugar responses to various foods and it varies dramatically between different people, like so dramatically. So it might just be a matter of finding the type of carbs that work for you. So um, that might be, you know, more starchy vegetables, it might be more, I mean you said you cut out fructose, so maybe it's not fruit for you specifically, but. I would definitely encourage you to try different things. In any case, I would really encourage you to stay away from the the super processed sh- refined sugars. I mean, I really, really encourage you yeah. to stay away from those. Um, even things like honey. If this is an issue right now, I would probably stay away from that as well. I also wanted to just mention as a one last thing. So metformin is very effective at addressing blood sugar levels. But did you know, Jen, have you heard of berberine? Yeah, we've berberine. talked about it
1: before on the podcast, I think
0: yeah, we did. We did. We had a question about it. Now I like know all about it. But um, basically, um, berberine is an, I don't know what it's from, but it's it's a very bitter herb uh, with a lot of health benefits. But studies have shown consistently that it is as effective as metformin in lowering blood sugar levels. So, um, especially for people with type, type 2 diabetes, and I'll put a link to the references in the show notes, but that's something you could also experiment experiment with TIF if you are looking to go a more natural route with some additional health benefits as well. Um, so if you go to ifpodcast.com slash episode 60, that's where I will put a link to all of the things, the, uh, the references, everything we talked about yeah all the stuff
1: yeah and and again just to reiterate we are not doctors so definitely talk to your doctor if you're alarmed about those numbers because that is that's the takeaway we want you to get we're not you know read Dr. Funk's take on it I would even highly recommend his book The Diabetes Code that's his I haven't read that one yet I haven't had time I've been so busy but The Diabetes Code if I had type 2 diabetes I would absolutely read The Diabetes Code and he's going to explain all that in there. And, you know, that's who I would, I would ask questions to, of him and read, read his advice versus, versus ours.
0: <laughs> all righty. So, wish we had time for more, but it looks like, as per usual, we are running out of time, but Jen has lots more time now that she's. I do. I have a very busy June coming up, but. <laughs> An exciting June. It is exciting. Yeah. I'm
1: going to travel a couple of times. And I've just got a lot going on in June. June is busy. Tomorrow I have to drive and pick up my son at college. She's coming home, the one that's in Savannah. So, my first day of retirement, I am driving to pick up my son. So, <laughs> I will not be lounging around the house.
0: How far of a drive is that?
1: It's um, two and a half hours to Savannah. Oh, okay. So, I'm going to get him, bringing him back. With all of his stuff.
0: Well, I'm about to go to acupuncture. Well, have a have good time. Have you had acupuncture? I have never had
1: that. No, I've done some reading about acupressure and used some of that, um, some of those
0: points. I'm gonna try to start going every week. Apparently, if you do it consistently, it's just yeah, really amazing. And even the the, the studies on it, they'll compare real acupuncture to like fake acupuncture. And they'll see effects with the real acupuncture. Yeah, I believe, so, I do
1: believe in all that. I believe in even acupressure, the pressure points
0: in our, our bodies. Yeah. I do believe in that. I think it's huge. Yeah. All righty. So a few things for listeners before we go. If you go to ifpodcast.com slash episode 60, like I've said a lot, um, that's where I'll put links to everything that we've talked about. You can also go to ifpodcast.com slash stuff we like, and that's where we put links to all of the things that we like, all of the the books, the supplements, all the stuff. You can also follow us on Instagram. Our handle is ifpodcast. Someday you'll be able to follow us on Twitter. It's literally on my to-do list. I'm almost done completely moving, and then I'm going to start my new morning self where I tackle all these things to do. That's what I tell myself. (laughs) Um, But really, days I wake up really early, I feel like really good. I think just because I get tired at night.
1: Yeah. And
0: I'm like, oh, capitalize on this. So
1: what do you consider to be really early? I'm so curious. When you say you wake up really early.
0: If, oh, like in the eights. Yeah, that's so funny. That's that. If, hot... if I got up in the eights, I I like t- tap myself on the back.
1: See, I can't sleep past, well, 530. <laughs> Maybe that'll change. I wake My alarm goes off at 5.30. So even like on vacations, I'm awake at 5.30. So I'm going to have to, my body's going to have to settle into the new pattern. I wonder like a year from now, what time will I be getting up? I don't know.
0: I want to go like a month where I plan out my exact like get up time and go to bed time. And we talked about this on the last podcast, like my eating window time even. I just want to plan it all out. And stick to it and plan out everything and see what happens well that would be interesting Because, yeah it got to be firm though got it yeah. <laughs> i just got to decide what time will be yeah. best oh and then lastly i mentioned this before but you can sup- help support our podcast and make it possible by going to patreon.com ifpodcast so that's where you can pledge support even if it's just like 50 cents Or a penny, like we discussed, that would be awesome. (laughs) If everybody (laughs) gave a penny, we'd be good. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Alrighty. Um, So, any final thoughts from you, Jen, before we go? No, I don't think so. I think it was a great episode. Alrighty. Well, I will talk to you next week. All right. Talk to you then. Bye. 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 Thank you so much for listening to the intermittent fasting podcast. Please remember. The opinions we discussed on this show do not constitute medical advice. We're not doctors. Check out ifpodcast.com for more information on us. Theme music was composed by Leland Cox. See you next week.